0: From Chagdugompa Rigzin Ling, this is Listen, Contemplate, Meditate, a podcast featuring a range of teachings from the Buddhist tradition, presented by Lamas of Chagdugompa Foundation. Our website is Chagdugumpa.org. So I'm very happy to welcome all of you to Chagdugompa Odzal Ling. This is a place uh, where we study and practice Vajrayana Buddhism. Uh, according to the Nyingma tradition. I know all these words are words we don't sound right, you know. Chagdud Gompa, Odzaling Ling. Sounds like, what in the world is that? Well, Chagdud is the name of a great family in Tibet. And Gompa means quiet place. So it would be like the quiet place of this great region. And... Um, O Ling is the specific name of our temple, which means the place of clear light. And so uh, all of this, these words have to do with um, the kinds of meditation that we do, with the aspiration that through our meditation there would be a better world, that we would be more happy and that people that are connected to us would be more happy because we have something more to offer them in terms of love and compassion and kindness. And so one by one the world becomes a better place by our effort towards love and compassion and wisdom. So that's the kinds of things that we learn here and that we practice in our daily lives and we practice meditation, we spend a lot of time listening to teachings and um, contemplating those teachings, and and trying to, you know, cultivate our character and our qualities in this world to be better people. Because right now, that sure would be a nice thing, wouldn't it? Even if you can't change everyone else, which we really can't, you can change yourself. And in changing yourself, really the formula does change. The equation changes when you change you. So that's something we can do with some effort and some honesty to face our own limitations and our own faults and make a work of cultivating a better point of view about ourselves and others and life. So following the Buddhist teachings, Lord Buddha said, Do no harm whatsoever. Do virtue thoroughly and train your own mind. So the Buddha walked in uh, saffron robes and barefoot, Uh, throughout his life, being an exemplar um, person to live to this kind of value and to meditate, not just to uh, fulfill someone else's requirements of him, but that he could touch truth, that he could be free from the inevitable cycles of suffering that occur due to selfishness. And confusion and ignorance. And so the Buddha was a perfect example, and the Buddha taught, and many people listened. On down through time, people listened. And as they listened, they themselves began to walk gently in the world, practicing harmlessness, practicing helpfulness, and taming and training their mind. On through time, many, many great masters, many great realized beings, and the Buddhist teachings moved throughout many parts of our world India, Nepal, China, Tibet, Japan, all of Southeast Asia, all these areas uh, flourished within the Buddhist teachings. Yes, and, and even Pakistan. And this kind of part of the world now we don't even think of in terms of Buddhist uh, contribution. But was there and flourished. And now it comes to us. Here we are with the presentation now in our world, in our modern world, of the Buddhist teachings. The Buddhist teachings are not teachings that are confined by time, like only applied a long time ago when you know, there were no cell phones. The Buddhist teachings are not about a country or a culture, although they are about people and especially about the mind. What motivates us that's an issue that is as current and as relevant now as it has ever been. What motivates us? Why do we do the things that we do? Why are we busy with the things that we are busy with? What, what are the defining features of our kind of life? And if you came from another planet and you looked at at us now, what would you think? As people, we tend to be very um, individualistic. Like we're really kind of nervous and worried if we would all look like everybody else, unless you're a teenager, teenagers want to look like each other all the time. But, once you become adult, you don't want to look like everybody else. You want to be different. We all want to be valued as being different, as being special, as being important. But who isn't important? Who isn't special? Especially to themselves? As important as you are to you, they are to them. For sure. As much as you want to be happy, they want to be happy too. You can be sure. As much as you don't want to suffer, you don't want to be overlooked, you don't want to be mistreated, neither do they. Not even one of them. And look how many of us there are. Our paradigm of individualism at the cost of others is a little bit risky from the Buddhist point of view. Lord Buddha taught all beings are valuable, not just big ones or smart ones, but every being. And so the basic premise of a Buddhist thought is to be kind. If you ask the Dalai Lama what is his religion, he'll say kindness but how do we actually accomplish kindness like we can be kind ah on a good day we can be kind we can be kind to someone that we think is in trouble or sick or afraid we can be kind if we see a dog somewhere who's got its foot stuck and he needs help we can be kind we can help them but our kindness has certain ramifications, certain requirements. And those requirements are, in, are, are developed each and every one of us by ourselves. Some people can only be kind if they're faced with other people the same age if you're faced with an old person, you want to kind of do something else. Not that you would be mean, but you know, an old person, why would you, why would you bother with that? I remember the day that I was putting gas in the car and the boy who was there said, called me ma'am. He said, yes ma'am. And I looked around, where was my mother? And I realized he was talking to me. I was mad at him. I am not ma'am, what are you talking about? Because used to be, I could stop traffic. And then you become older you become different you 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 become a little see-through they don't quite notice like they used to and of course as a young person I was the same way and most of us are taught by our parents to be kind to the elderly we are we're taught and especially if our mothers around we will pay attention but most of the time just not 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 interesting, not necessary, not about me. I have things to do, I have places to go, I have, I have, I have, you know, I'm busy. I'm, I'ming. I'm busy, I'ming. Because I am more important than you. I've said this many times here in the temple. I think it makes the Buddha cringe. He goes, don't say that! Don't say that! Because I'm not more important than you. No one is more important than anyone else. Every being is important. Human being, animal being, even the ones you don't like, even the ones that are not nice to you, even the ones that you don't notice and you never knew their name and you never saw them. Each and every one of them is important. And they have problems. They don't know how to find happiness. They don't know how to avoid unhappiness. Everything they do actually is a little bit uh, kitty-wonkus, and they think that if they do it, it's going to make them happy, but actually, it exactly does the opposite, and they're more and more miserable and more and more lonely and more and more victimized and more and more in pain. Because what we do to try to make ourselves happy is counterproductive. It just makes us more unhappy so the buddha taught do no harm whatsoever and he meant with the body with the speech with the mind it's not so hard to do it with the body if you you know if you're careful the speech is a little bit harder because we're a little fast with our talk and the mind oh my gosh the mind goes so fast so many thoughts so fast so fast so fast that We've, we've, we've just defamed a whole categories of people in a thought. So, harmlessness of body, speech, and mind. But the Buddha didn't stop there. Just saying that harmlessness was sufficient, the Buddha went on to say, you should be helpful and kind and good. And in an and all the while you're being harmless and helpful, all the while you should be looking back and taming the confusion and the delusion of your own mind. So then, wow, where do we start? How do we actually do that? We can see the necessity because we can see the suffering in the world. And we know our own. We know our own aches and pains. We know our own uh, mortality. We know our own um, vulnerability to the conditions that surround us in life. We know that, that our time is limited, although we try to ignore that. We know that. So if it's like that for us, certainly it's like that for others. And most of the time, all we do with our life is try to just, you know, move from moment to moment and not be in too much trouble, not be in too much pain, and try to be happy. We don't even consider the big problems. We're just trying our best to figure out how to be happy in the moment, which often includes beer you know you just add a little beer and it helps to be a little bit more happy in the moment but actually it doesn't really help all the little things that we sprinkle into our life to try and help don't actually really help they all have a cost I mean with the beer, certainly it's kilos. It all has a cost. So then, where do we start to practice love, compassion, and wisdom? Generally, traditionally, And what Rinpoche always taught was that you start with your mother. You start with your mother because actually your mother is the most important person in your life. You wouldn't have a life without your mother. So your mother is like first and foremost. And what what should we feel or be towards our mother is we should have kind of a sensation of deep appreciation and an an urge to repay the kindness of our mother. Now, many of us have grievances against our mothers. Maybe our mothers became absent. Maybe our mothers were hurt or broken. Or maybe our mothers were... uh, incapable of even sustaining sanity. There are all kinds of categories of mothers, but the point is they gave you life. It isn't whether they could actually be a good parent or not. Most of us in the West, we judge our our parents on whether they were good parents as if a child could tell that because children really can't tell that. Adults, we can begin to look at our parents and see, well, no, they didn't do a really great job, but as adults, we're supposed to use adult eyes to see that they tried. They weren't perfect. In the fact that Your mother is not perfect, surely, is exactly the reason why you should have even greater compassion and love for someone who went through the trouble, I mean, trouble. I can say that personally. I've been through that trouble. I know that trouble. Who went through the trouble to let you be born and even though you might complain about her it's so funny because in the West we tend to complain a lot about this teaching like well just a minute excuse me but you can't even complain about it because if you're complaining proves the fact that you received the benefit of your mother you're alive you could complain is only due to the kindness of your mother. So it's interesting, because in an Asian way, they don't expect mothers to be perfect. They know that mothers are human, and they also know that the suffering of a mother is greater than any other suffering in our world. There is no one who suffers more. Then a mother, and fathers complain too with this teaching, like, what about fathers, you know, we did a good job, we were there. And Rinpoche used to tease, tease people who asked this question, and he would say to the men, yes, yes, you did make a small contribution. <laughs> and he would laugh. And then he would say, don't worry, don't worry, it's okay. Sometime in some lifetime I'm sure you will be, or you were once, a mother too. So we know the suffering of our own mother. Or maybe you've already lost her, and she's not even around anymore. But the fact that this woman, no matter what was going on in her life, and, you know, children don't realize parents have lives. They don't. They don't realize that. No matter what was going on in her life, she let you be born. And children often think, we're the best part of our mother's life. Well, mothers let you think that. That's not really true. But they love you. And how to repay that kindness I mean even if all they did was let you be born and then leave you on a on a doorstep somewhere they couldn't raise you they couldn't do anything more they let you be born most mothers do more than that they pick the baby up they carry the baby home they make the effort to keep the baby warm to not let the baby, because, you know, even as an infant, you can't even regulate your own body temperature. If someone isn't there to keep you warm, if someone isn't there to turn you over, if someone isn't there to give you food, we don't survive without care. So the care of your parents or parental-type beings were necessary for you to be here. So, it's only decent. Not even really spiritual. It's decent to appreciate and repay the kindness of your parents. And you know, because parents make mistakes, as children, we remember the mistakes. We don't remember all the things that went well it's like a, a, a clap of lightning. When the lightning hits, you notice. Oh my goodness. All the time before and after, you don't notice, because there was something went wrong. So our mind as children is marked by events. But that's not the whole story. Certainly not. And so then we think, okay, here's this woman. She just wants to be happy. She doesn't want to be unhappy. She doesn't know what she's doing. I mean, my own mother is a lovely lady, but she still makes all kinds of mistakes with her body and her speech and her mind. She thinks, you know, our parents think in the same way as everybody else that I am more important than you. And that what I need is more important than what you need. And that justifies hurting and harming others for our own needs. And that's a problem because even though our mother wants to be happy, every thought and every word and every action will create her future. Positive thoughts, positive results. Negative thoughts, negative results. Neutral thoughts, which are not really positive, nor are they really negative, just produce results that are kind of blah. The whole world of blah. So here is our mother. What, what chance does she have? She doesn't understand how happiness is found. She doesn't understand how suffering is avoided. And death is chasing her. If death hasn't already found her, it's inevitable. And really, who's going to help your mother? We have a little place here nearby in our neighborhood where lots of old ladies are, like an old lady's home. There aren't many men there. Because you know, men just don't live that long. Women outlive their men. And then they're alone. And they're old. And nobody notices anymore. That's what happens to our mothers. Who is going to take care of your mother? somebody else, because of course your life is so busy, you've got so much to do, so many places to go, so much fun to have, and yet without her you couldn't even eat an orange. So Rinpoche taught that a mother has been kind to you in four ways. She has given you life, She has sustained your life when you would have otherwise died. She has taught you and shared with you all her understandings about things even though it may have been limited. Like how to walk, how to talk, how to deal with the telephone. And she shared with you her world her home, her belongings, her food. Was it really your food? Or she let you think it was your food? So, this kind of kindness, our mother, mine I know, would rather be sick than have me be sick. She would rather stand in front of a raging elephant than let me be hurt by anything. The love of a mother for a child. Now, as children, it's understandable that we don't understand these things and that we go through lots of challenges and that our brain isn't developed. You know, when we're young, our brain is not blue. But once you're grown up, you should be able to look back at your mother differently. Not that she, you should start seeing some kind of saint there, but that you see the woman there. This is just a person who did so much for you. And now, how do you repay the kindness? Well, okay, so some of you, especially Brazilians, not in the U.S., we are not kind to our parents, but here, people like spend Sundays with their mom. They, they do, they do, they are, they are kind, and they go and they participate, and their mom has a lot of power in their life. That's good, but it's not sufficient. Because you go and hang out on Sunday, is not going to make death any easier for your mother. So then how you repay the kindness is you have to cultivate some kind of quality, some kind of power, some kind of influence. You need to be one who has an ability facing the greater hardships of life, like sickness and aging and death. Not just for you, but that you could help your own mother. And not only this mother. How many mothers we have had through countless lifetimes. You know, it's hard to do one well. But there's the one before that one. I mean, do you realize that your grandmother, when she conceived your mother, and her embryo was in your grandmother's womb, This is a little bit yucky, but think in those terms, the eggs that would be you were already there in your grandmother. Your mother's 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 and that's the time-bound version. Imagine the timeless bound version of lifetimes after lifetimes after lifetimes. And Lord Buddha said, there's not one person here in this world or to the limits of space who has not previously been your own mother sometime or another and who has not treated you with the same kindness and who is not in the same trouble as your own mother. So we start with our mother, but not left only to our mother. For every being, throughout the limitlessness of all of time and space, I commit myself to the realization of enlightened mind in order that they could all be free of suffering and could all be placed at the level of complete enlightenment. So we start with a wish. It's a wish. It's a big wish. And you should actually wish big. Because that motivation allows you the possibility of the greatest result. You will never exceed your own motivation, so you never want your motivation to be small. You always want to expand your motivation of love and compassion with the greatest inclusivity that you can imagine, in order that every being without exception be free. For example, I listen to these teachings. For example, I will put these teachings into play in my life. For example, I will meditate until every being attains enlightenment. This is called wishing bodhicitta. And what this bodhicitta does is heal us. It heals us from our own self-centered priority. The flaw of our own selfishness goes down until finally, through wishes and efforts, every flaw is gone from our mind and the qualities of your limitless enlightened mind become expanded and and obvious to the fullest degree. And we call that enlightenment. I heard a story recently that when Rinpoche came to the United States, first time that he came to the United States, he was in an airport, and there at the airport, as he sat there, I don't because you didn't know him, you didn't know how colorful he was. He was sitting there, and and Rinpoche loved airports. He liked crowded places, he would always pray in crowded places. Because Rinpoche believed that all beings were his mother. Rinpoche knew that we were all interdependent, that there was no one that wasn't special. Rinpoche knew that. And in this airport, a mother and daughter were fighting near him. And the daughter was fighting so fiercely with her mother, that it shocked Rinpoche. He was like really surprised. And it, and it went on and on and it didn't stop. And, and Rinpoche was just really, really surprised. And that was the first, you know, where he first landed in the United States. And he turned to the fellow who was with him and he said, I don't know if Dharma will work in this country. That moment of seeing that action between a child and a mother made him wonder whether it would even be possible that the Dharma could 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 go into our minds if we were that kind of uh, rough rough and selfish. Thank goodness he kept trying because it wasn't a good sign in the beginning for his work in the United States, for bringing the Dharma there. But I think here it was interesting when Rinpoche came here to Brazil. He felt that Brazil was a very good place for the the seed of the Dharma to fall, that you, you had kind of some, maybe some aptitude or some natural um, affinity to the teachings and to maybe even this teaching. Because I asked a friend of mine, in the U.S., appear peer, you know, old old person, sangha person, been around for many um, thirty years. I said, "Do you really do this this part? Do you do this this step of recognizing all beings as having been a kind, loving mother in this or previous lives that you would repay their kindness by by cultivating greater qualities and?" bringing wisdom to them. Do you do this? And they were kind of like shy and not going to say anything to me. Like, I said, no, tell me, really. I'm interested. Oh, no, I don't do that. I don't do that. That's, you know, that's kind of like just too far out. The numbers are not reasonable. And I, and I understand how hard it is in this particular way to to relate. But it's interesting what the Buddha gave us by this teaching, that all beings, no matter who they are in some life, somewhere, sometime, they cherished you and cared for you like their own only child. And now they don't remember anymore. Now we don't remember anymore. But the Buddha has omniscience, and the Buddha could see this. And the Buddha didn't, you know, he, he, he said things pretty straight. That there is no insignificant other. And not only they are not just, in, they're not that, it's not that they're just not in, insignificant, they're actually very important. Every single one of them. So, let's try an, experience, an experiment. Here in this room, just this room, not limitless sentient beings, Okay, or maybe just the person to the left or the right of you, allow your mind to consider that somewhere in some life before, this person was very, very kind to you. Like, they saved your life. They, they shared their home with you. They gave you your food. They would rather be sick than have you be sick. They tended you. They lifted you. They carried you as a child. They cuddled you and caressed you and helped you be safe. That's what they did for you. Now imagine how, I mean, see how it changes the difference because the person next to you, I mean, maybe you know them, maybe you don't, but they're just people. They're just, you know, somebody who's here, okay, they're nice enough, friends, okay. But it's not exactly the same as someone who is so kind to you like this. When you are incapable of helping yourself, they made the difference for you. And then expand it to the people in the section. All the people in this section were your mothers in a previous life. All the people in this section, these people were the people that were your people. And then all these people were your people. Expand it. Look at how it changes your relationship to them. Not that it's changing them at all. It's changing your understanding of them. And then expand it again to everyone in this room, even the insects that are flying in and out. Now, they don't remember anymore. But you know, because the Buddha said so, So I had trouble with that, just believing it, even though the Buddha said so. I wasn't a person who could just believe because someone said so. I I wasn't that kind of capable person. But what I decided to do was not to, to think it's true or not true. What I decided to do was practice it. To practice looking at people as if they had been previously kind and caring and loving, instead of looking at people as suspicious. Don't touch me. Don't come too close. Who are you anyway? There is a big difference. When you allow this, it doesn't mean you should leave your purse out. Because who knows if they can be honest in this life or not. We don't know that they can do that. And you wouldn't want to put them in a position where they made worse karma by hurting and harming you. So our our ethic and our morality is to extend unconditional love and compassion to them and Feel a responsibility to helping them. Not that you can change them, because you cannot change them. The only person you can change is you. But by changing you, by having greater unconditional love and compassion, by having greater willingness to help them, even if all of it the, all that you can do is make a wish all that you could do is say a prayer to say a prayer with authentic love and compassion in your heart is very different than saying a prayer just because this guy is a poor poor sod who's like in trouble it makes a difference these four points it makes a difference for us to be committed to, their, to, their, to repaying their kindness. And the only appropriate kindness for my mother, I don't know about yours, but for mine, is her enlightenment. That's the only thing that we'll really do. Anything less than that, even though I would try my best, to do whatever I can immediately to help relieve her suffering and put her in a good situation, it's not sufficient unless it includes enlightenment. So this is called pure motivation. This is the great heart motivation that includes every being supremely with a devoted responsibility to their well-being, starting with your mother, but certainly not stopping there. I don't think that it is uh, beyond us to consider the possibility of others being significant to us more than we know. We've learned recently in our studies of ecology and the, and the, the biosphere of the earth that everything is important. You know, a bird's wings flopping in Africa makes a weather current in another part of the world. We understand that we have an interdependence with each other and greater than that with, within our species that share this planet and our planet and our world system. We don't understand really the whole picture yet. But we can understand that there is a wholeness to the picture. To realize that others are important and magnificently important helps you Respond to them better, like sometimes someone can be really bad, really badly behaved, really, really you know corrupt and really a complete mess, and maybe they are being really bad with you. But if you can step yourself back into this greater understanding of this of this interdependence between ourselves and others. of a a noble sort, then maybe you can help them a little bit easier. You don't have to take it so personally. When somebody can't be nice, maybe it really isn't about you. Maybe it's about them. And so then your deep commitment to whatever way I can help others, whatever way I can help them be free of suffering, whatever way I can help them be happy, even if it's a short-term happiness, but ultimately dedicated to their enlightenment. This is how Rinpoche did it. Not that he thought he was changing others, but that he was changing himself. In the same way, our practice of love and compassion and greater um, wisdom changing you changes your family you know as a parent you're a different kind of parent as a as an employee as a boss you're a different kind of of, of partner in work, in traffic. You're a different kind of person in traffic. It changes because of you with greater love and compassion and wisdom. So I'm going to stop there. I hope that when you go home you can be really nice to your mother. Because you know, You know how to be nice to your mother. You know how to appreciate, to appreciate that. And uh, probably more than anybody else would know how. So that's a good thing for you to do, to be kind to your mother, to help her, give her a break, and then, m- more than that, if you can extend that to others, understanding, wow, the Buddha said this. Just try it on, see what happens. It's really kind of amazing. This podcast is supported by the generosity and kindness of Chagdagumpa members and donors. If you're interested in becoming a member, making a donation, or if you want to learn more about Chagdagumpa, feel free to go to chagdagumpa.org.